22, 1, 2 to 10, the Bible says, And he made, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and, the, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that, the great, the, <clears throat> that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith. That, and, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of the works. Lest, not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. Here ends the reading of his holy word. I have a very simple and a very short message for us today, and the message is entitled, The Grace of God. Hallelujah. The Grace of God. In the um, original rendition, the Hebrew and the Greek, in the Greek and Hebrew biblical term, grace is referred to as charis, that's C-H-A-R-I-S, which means goodwill, loving kindness, favor in particular to God's merciful grace. Hallelujah. And uh, you will realize that the theme grace is a central theme of the Bible. Hallelujah. Grace is mentioned about 140 times in the Bible. And there has been a lot of exegesis and there's been a lot of doctrines that have come out of grace. In fact, the grace doctrine has been so prostituted that and abused that it almost has changed the import of what it's supposed to be. And so a lot of people like to leave this topic alone because it brings a lot of confusion. It brings a lot of arguments into the body of Christ. You know, before... Before the proliferation of churches, there used to be. Before the multiplication of churches and and um, can you settle down? 
so I can preach my message. Ah, okay, you didn't go to a good school. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. You know, before then, before there used to be one church, the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church taught a lot of doctrines. One of the doctrines the Catholic Church taught was uh, paradise and how you could buy your way into, uh, into paradise. So when somebody dies and uh, um, you can pay for their salvation, so you go and pay money to the priest, and then the priest will say a prayer, and that will transfer your relative from hell to paradise. And that was their belief. And, and if the relatives are rich, then obviously... The priest will be, will be making a killing. So this went on and on because in those days, the Bible was written in the original Latin language. So it was inaccessible to everybody. It was only the priest, if I the high priest or the pope that had access to the actual Bible. And everything he taught was Latin. Omnidomus, omni, and people didn't understand what he was saying. And so he says whatever he wants to say, and he's just we all sit sanctimoniously. We sit, you know, in reverence, and then we don't understand anything he says because the Bible is not for you to understand. Just believe. Okay? So that is how it started until one of the smaller monks called Martin Luther got access to the Bible. And as he started interpreting the Bible, he interpreted the scripture we just read, that for by grace are you saved. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Are you with me? And he decided that, he just understood reading and understanding that this thing of buying people's uh, salvation is not actually biblical. Salvation is not for sale. Salvation came through the work of Christ on the cross. And whosoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. For Christ came to the world not to condemn the world, but that through him the world will be saved. He came to his own. His own believed him not. But as many as received them, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Hallelujah. So when he understood that, he decided to make copies of this passage in the language people could understand. So he writes, it is by grace that we are saved. And you go and paste it on the notice, public places. And of course, the priesthood, the hierarchy came after him. And they actually banished him from the monastery. Are you with me? And so, the original grace message that brought about salvation for every one of us started when Martin Luther discovered the scripture. And just as 
the contention was in those days till now, there's still been contentions on the topic of grace. Hallelujah. People feel that because you have, you have been saved, you are once saved, forever saved. It doesn't matter whatever you do, grace covers you. You can never lose your salvation because you can't work for salvation. So once you have salvation, that's it. Hallelujah. There's no need to live a holy life. There's no need to do anything because of grace. Because Jesus, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. So... He has washed our sins away, including the sins we are doing right now and the sins we'll do tomorrow. Hallelujah. So we are totally removed from any responsibilities whatsoever. So just go through the process once. Become a Christian and you can go live your life. And that is, it sounds like a funny thing that I'm saying, but that is what a lot of people believe. Modern day Christians, some of them just believe that. So it's like you see people in church who are hooked on drugs, in church who are prostitutes, in church that are into all sorts of vices because once saved, forever saved, and there's nothing, I don't have any responsibilities, I can live anyhow, and grace covers me. Hallelujah. I just want to give you like a few things about grace quickly before we go on. Have you got my notes? The first thing is that grace is not a cover for sin. Grace is not a cover for sin. It is a gift of God. Forgiveness of sins and salvation are all gifts. But grace is... However, it's not a license to sin. Preach it. Hallelujah. You can't say that because of the grace, I am okay. There are some people, they sin willfully and they go and confess. And then they go back again tomorrow. Because grace covers me. But for grace. But for grace. Grace has covered me. Grace is covering me right now in the middle of my sin. I am covered by grace. But Romans chapter 5. Says that. Sorry. Let, Romans chapter 6, 1 and 2 says that. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? You have never seen a dead person walking. Yesterday, my wife was telling me a very interesting story. That one of her relatives died many moons ago. Many years ago. And then after a while, the father also died. And the father had a lot of properties. So, 
there came the time for the inheritance to share the properties. And this dead girl, who had been dead for a long time, rose up from the grave and came to stand there that she's coming for her property. And she's sitting here, so I I don't know the story. I wasn't there. (laughs) You and I were not there. She just told me the story yesterday. Yesterday was the funeral. So watching the funeral live, and she was giving me the commentary. So I don't know anything about it. I am here with you. You and I were not there. She told me the story. So you can ask her. That, uh, the, the lady that had come, assuming she's called Cynthia. I hope there's no Cynthia here. Is there Cynthia here? Cynthia, where are you? Okay. Assuming the lady is called Cynthia. She had died about many years, about 10 years ago. Now, the man has just died yesterday. They are doing the funeral. And this Cynthia has resurrected from the dead. And she's coming for her share. But the, the siblings didn't recognize this Cynthia. So they decided to question her, which school did you go to? Because we all went to the same school. What year did you finish? Who are your mates? And the Cynthia was flapping and couldn't really answer the story. But there was a, a couple of uncles who were insisting that, no, this is the Cynthia. So, for the rest of the story, please see Pastor Gloria. <laughs> because I wasn't there. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, what I'm trying to say is that dead people do not walk in life. So, can you be dead to sin and still be active in sin? Then you are like Cynthia. You died, but you never died. <laughs> I, I, I pray that this Cynthia is not watching. <laughs> the second thing is that grace teaches us to say no to worldliness. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. For by grace, for by the grace of God, for by the grace of God, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we shall live soberly, righteously, godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of his great of the of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself that we might be rede- we might redeem that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Some people are trying to tell me something. <laughs> Hallelujah. What the scripture we read says that grace enables us to walk uprightly. Are you with me? Grace is what will make you be confident to walk in love. Grace is what will make you walk in good works. Are you with me? It says for by grace have we been saved, for we are his workmanship created to walk. We have been created to walk in good works. And grace enables you to do the things that sounds difficult. To love people don't need, that you have no business loving. 
to pray for people who despisefully use you. Hallelujah. Because of the grace that God through, exhibited through Jesus. We, we, we all know uh, John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he graciously gave his only begotten son. That whosoever will believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He gave when we didn't deserve it. And by the same token of grace, you can also give to people that are not deserving. You can also walk in love. You can also show uh, forgiveness. You can also be pitiful to people. Am I making sense? Because his grace makes you able to walk. Number three says that we are justified, or grace justifies us to be able to stand and work for God. Let us now come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain favor and mercy and help in the times of need. Hallelujah. Bible says that if God should mark our iniquities, who can stand? Our righteousness as filthy rags before him, but by his grace, he doesn't see the filth that our souls represent, but he sees Jesus through us. He sees salvation. When we lift up our hands, he sees holy hands. Hallelujah. So it is grace that justifies you and makes you able to stand before the presence of God. It is grace that has justified me to stand before the, pres- the altar of God. It is just grace that makes you able to stand on this altar. Because if we were to look at what you have done, even within this week, nobody will allow you into this room, let alone the stage. Hallelujah. But by grace, he justifies and cleanses that we can stand before him. Hallelujah. Number four. Grace, sorry, don't sleep. So number one was what? Grace is not a cover for sin. Number two, number three, number four. We become strong in grace. We can become strong in grace. We can become strong in grace. Hallelujah. Which means that grace comes in measures or measurements. Some have more grace than others. But whatever grace you have, you can grow stronger in that grace. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. You can grow stronger in that grace. You see, it sounds very fundamental what I'm teaching, but it has been so abused and so confused that we need to take our time and break it down. Hallelujah. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 and 2, the Bible says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will teach others also. So 
Paul was telling young Timothy that grow stronger in grace. Become strong in grace. Hallelujah. Become strong in the things of unmerited favor. I don't know whether you can understand that. What he's trying to say is that become strong in, the, in, in empathy. Become strong in mercy. Become strong. Show the God-likeness. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Because you cannot be a good minister who doesn't exhibit strong grace. Pastor Sam always says that since becoming a pastor, he has realized that you can't be a pastor without being a Christian. Because you'll be tried. Your patience will be stretched. He is learning that you have to be a Christian first because before you can become a pastor. <laughs> you can't bypass Christianity to become a pastor. It doesn't work. Hallelujah. Number five, grace can be multiplied. Hallelujah. Grace can be multiplied. I want to settle here today. Grace can be multiplied. Not only can you grow in grace, but you can multiply the grace that is on you. Hallelujah. I don't know why they decided to take out my scriptures when I gave them my scriptures and my notes. Second Peter 1 and 2 says that grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Amen. So not only can we grow in grace, but we can also multiply in grace, isn't it? Did I give the scripture for growing in grace? 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. If we can grow in grace, then it also means that we are, we must do we must be and do the things that brings growth of grace. Amen. So we are going to read this scripture again. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 4 to 9. And we are going to pick about four different things that will bring growth. Amen. Now, James chapter 5. Let's read, read James chapter 4, verse 5 to 10. And yes, pick about four different things. And if we have time, we'll read Acts chapter 2. We are going to read that one also and pick four more things that we can do to grow in grace. Amen. So if we have time, we'll do eight things that can give you grace. I'll just list them and we'll be on our way. Hallelujah. James. Are you in James? Okay. Chapter number four. Verse 5 to 10, the Bible says, Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So four things quickly that this scripture is telling us that we can do to grow in our grace. Practically, the first one is in verse 5 that says that be sensitive. Or the verse 5 says that, or do you think the scripture says in vain that the spirit who dwells in you yearns earnestly? Hallelujah. Which means that you have to be sensitive to the spirit inside of you. If you want to grow in grace, you must be sensitive to the presence of God. Sensitive to the things of God. There are some of us, we don't have any relationship with the spirit of God whatsoever. We call ourselves born again. The only relationship we have with the spirit of God is when we come to church and speak in tongues. After speaking in tongues, that's it. We don't have any communion with the Holy Spirit. We don't have any discussion with the Holy Spirit. Even when the Holy Spirit prompts us, we don't hear anything. When you are doing something that you know is wrong, there's no guilt because your sensitivity has been seared, has been mad. You don't feel any... You know, there are some people, especially ladies, that can hold hot pans and bowls and sauces on the boiling pot and put it down. You, you know... My wife does that all the time. One, one day she was cooking and I was just by her. We were cooking and she would just take the thing and then put it down. And so I thought it was just, you know, normal. So I also took it as I, that day I, I sang a hymn. <laughs> and she could not understand the fuss that I was making. My fingers were on fire. They were bent. I mean, they had marks. And she was like, what are you on about? And then as I was talking, she just took the thing from where, where it was and put it back. And she said, what are you? you? I said, <laughs> you know, there are some people like that. Their, their fingers, they have worked with hot things so often that there's no sensitivity in the fingertips. They pick things easily. Sometimes there will be something in the oven, then she will take the hand and then she will turn it. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> no fuck, nothing. She just turned it with her finger like that. I said, I'm bringing a business. <laughs> it was a good window. Yeah. That is how some of us, we are to sin, to the presence of God. There's no sensitivity whatsoever. We don't feel anything. Our hearts don't skip a beat when we are telling a lie. A lie. We don't feel anything. We don't, it, it's as if nothing of God is inside of you. Can look at somebody boldly and tell a lie and it's cool. There's no conviction. There is nothing. You don't feel any remorse. You don't feel any sensitivity inside of you. God doesn't talk into your ear. 
Nothing at all. If you want to grow in grace, you must begin to now hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You must begin to hear and let, when the Holy Spirit speaks and gives you a direction, follow it. That is how you grow in grace. When you are reading the Bible and God begins to talk to you through the pages of the Bible, hear it. Hallelujah. Because you are multiplying grace. When you become sensitive, you are multiplying the grace of God. Hallelujah. And the second step after hearing, be submissive to it. He says, submit, verse 6, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. So submitting to the word of God, submitting to the instruction that you, you are hearing from the word, submitting is increasing the grace of God on your life. A lot of us, we bypass this and we want to go into prophecy. We want to go into power. We want to go into this. You, see, you can never ever become powerful without hearing the Holy Spirit. And you can never hear the Holy Spirit as and when you want to hear him. As and when you want to give a word of knowledge. As and when you want to give, uh, what do you call it, a prophecy. As and when you want to give some insight, then the Holy Spirit comes. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. You, he, he was telling you not to lie, and you were lying. He was telling you to get up and pray. And you didn't do it. He was telling you to go to church and you ignored it. You was telling you that the pre- what the preacher is saying, pay attention to it and you ignore it. But all of a sudden you can hear prophecy. It doesn't work like that. What's going on? If I hear any bell or any whistle, any quarter, you are all going to go to the back. Any quarter I hear it, you, the whole row is going to relocate. Listen, this is my church. I make the rules here. If I hear any bell, any whistle, any noise, Especially from this side. You relocate to the back. That's if you don't leave the room. Right. So where was I? You see, they've, they've made me miss where I was. So you see, don't, don't, don't start. Don't rush into doing powerful, supernatural, extraordinary things when the basics have not been taken care of. The basics of submitting to God. He says that you can only resist the devil. Put that scripture back, James chapter 4. He says that you can only resist the devil. Six, you can only resist the devil when you are submitted. Six, seven. He says that submit to God, resist the devil, then he will what? Flee. Flee. 
So Satan will never ever be able to be cast out by you when you are not in submission. So a pastor who is in adultery and is telling that he's doing deliverance for you, forget it. A pastor that you know who is not living under the precepts of the word of God and is giving you a prophecy, forget it. Because until you have submitted, you have no business resisting. Hallelujah. Until you are living what he's, you don't ring any bell. Until you are living, you can tweet it, but don't ring the bell. Instant. I didn't know that had power like that. See, the place has gone quiet. Otherwise, by now, they'll be making noise. I said, if I hear any bell, the whole session, you are going to leave. So be each other's keeper. Make sure that they don't relocate you. Pastor <laughs> Sam. Uh, Hallelujah. Where are we? You have to learn. See, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says that if anyone wants to come unto me, let him deny himself and take up his cross to follow. To be able to follow Jesus successfully, to do the works he does and greater works, you must deny yourself. Deny, humble, and then follow. Hallelujah. Number three, is to resist the devil. You grow in grace by resisting. Amen. To resist means to strive against, to endeavor to counteract, to defeat, and to frustrate. Give me all your bells. Give me your bell. Give me your whistle. You to bring your bell. It looks like the bell is disturbing you people. <laughs> what type of church is this? <laughs> Listen, some of you are too stiff. Relax. When you come to church, just relax. You are too stiff. You see that Arno Dominus people, they say that the more sanctimonious and holy you look and feel, the more closer you are to God. It's not true. That is not. Be yourself in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. You can't have your bell back. See, I'm going to, the, to stand behind the pulpit so that I won't be disturbed. Hallelujah. So number three says what? Resist the devil. Amen. Resist. You know, in First Peter chapter 5, verse 9, it says that resist him. Stand firmly in the faith because you know that your family, your family of believers, hallelujah, resist him steadfast 
in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Hallelujah. So the tendencies are that you want to do what you want to do and know what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Are you with me? Because that is what is in the world. But the Bible is saying that if you want to increase in grace, then don't allow those tendencies to get the better of you. Resist it so that you will be able to grow in your grace. Amen. Number four, draw near, verse, five, verse eight says that draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Hallelujah. You can only draw near when your hands are clean. Who shall ascend unto the hills of the Lord? He who has clean hands. Hallelujah. Who has not sworn deceitfully. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 40, he says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God and purged our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Amen. So you can serve very well when your hands are clean. That is why uh, David in uh, Psalm 51 verse 7 says, Purge me with hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Amen. And then number five. Number five says that become somebody who is serious with the things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Become somebody who is serious with the things of God. In verse 9, lament and mourn. Let laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Amen. Stop being too lighthearted about spiritual things. Some of us, we, we are very blasé about the things of God. We are very... We are very aloof when it comes to the things of God. We are so we are so wanting in the things that has to do with God. Pastor Sam, your very last warning. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 says that being found in the Okay, Pastor Kiyam, can you go to the back? Go and sit by Dorothy. Go and sit by Dorothy. Just sit there. Happily, happily. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8, and being found in the fashion as a man, humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, even to the death of the cross. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to read Acts chapter 2 verse 42 to 46 very quickly, and I'll show you four things quickly there that we can do to increase our, the grace of God upon us. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking, in breaking of bread, in prayers, 
Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord, from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. The first thing, they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. One of the things that will, will increase the grace of God on your life is the word that you hear from the house of God. Amen. You grow in grace by hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. That is why you should become a lover of the messages that are preached in this house. Amen. Because it increases the grace of God on your life. So if you are not subscribed to the YouTube channel or whatever social media that you get, subscribe so that throughout the week you can hear the message, hear it over and over again. Because the more you hear, the more you are devoted to the doctrine, the more you are growing in grace. Hallelujah. Because everybody in this room that has become an expert in any subject became an expert through hearing. Are you thinking? Dr. David became a doctor through hearing. He did anatomy, he did physiology, he did biochemistry, he did pharmacology. And all those things, people were speaking and he was hearing. And the more he heard, the more he became. Dr. Michael had a lot of geography, a lot of physics, a lot of climatology, pneumology, osmology, and all the other logics that he had. That he's now boasting and thinks that we can't understand anything he says. Dr. Ben became a professor by the things he had. Dr. Sam became a doctor of moons and high roads and roads and stars. He's still making our roads bad and bad and bad. Have you not seen that the roads in Leeds are all bad? When you drive on any portal, blame him. He is the reason why the roads are very bad. Dr. Dorothy has been doing pharmacology and doing, uh, what do you call it, mixing uh, medicines for oncology, for, for, for cancers. And then Dr. Francis is a senior pharmacist lecturer because he had. So you are also be going to become a great man of God, a woman of God, by hearing the word of God. It's amazing how when it comes to the word of God, you don't want to hear you can't have any bell. You can clap your hand. That's right. There is no law against clapping your hand. As for bell, I have banned the bell. I am going to take the bell and go and give it to the school next door. They should keep it for me. When I need it, I'll go for it. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? So the more the word you are hearing, the more the grace is growing on you the more you are becoming big, 
The Bible said they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. And that is what made them powerful. What will make you able to heal the sick? What will make you able to see and raise the dead and everything? It's by the messages you are hearing all the time. So when you are not hearing, you are not growing big in grace. Hallelujah. Number two, they devoted themselves to the life. They devoted their lives to the house of God. To the church. They devoted themselves. Have you not realized that those guys who are always in church, who are always around, they are the ones who begin to become things, useful uh, ministers in the house of God. Because as you stay around and you are helping and you are around, that is when you grow in the grace of God. They were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. They followed anything the apostles wanted them to do. They did it. And the more they were doing in, in medicine, uh, Dr. David, did they say when you want to do, learn how to do um, uh, what you call operation, they say watch one, assist one, and do one, isn't it? So you watch one person doing the operation, or Dr. Feke, isn't it? You watch one person doing it, then you assist one to do it, then you do one for somebody to watch you, then you teach one. Are you with me? And that is how you become a great surgeon. So you have to be around to observe. You want to become a great man of God. And you don't have time to stand in the house of God. Then you cannot become. You are the first to leave. Then you have no business becoming. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Because how can you observe when you are not available? Can you take the microphone off him? Take the microphone off him. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. How can you see what the pastor is doing? How many know that after we finish here, we, I only talk for 45 minutes, but I'm going to be here till 7 p.m. What do you think I'm doing here? Ask yourself, what do you think I'm doing here? Twiddling my thumb? No. Real ministry and real work. My real work starts after we share the grace. So if you want to learn to be a pastor and you don't have time to observe me, forget it. Because you have to start observing. Then after that, you have to start assisting. Then after you start assisting, then you start doing for, you, for me to observe you. Then as I'm observing you, then now you have the right to teach somebody. Hallelujah. That is when you grow. Are you getting it? So you want to grow in grace? Become a worker. Have you not realized that the disciples were the ones who became apostles? You can never be an apostle without being a disciple. Let me show you the difference. A disciple is an understudy. A disciple is is an usher who picks bread. A disciple is a bodyguard who is moving people when the pastor is coming. A disciple is the one who is an errand boy. They say, go and bring the towel. Go and bring this. Go and bring that. Go and bring that. You are going. You are walking around, going around, picking and helping. Because as you become a disciple, when Jesus leaves, you become an apostle. 
the disciples who, the, the apostles were the ones who raised the dead. The apostles were the ones who were doing miracles and healing the sick. Where, how did they learn to do that? By observation. Am I making sense? By being with Jesus, they said they, they knew, they looked at them and they wondered that these are unlearned, untrained men. But they took notice that they had been with Jesus. So when you see somebody doing miracle signs and wonders, first of all, ask yourself, whose hand did he pour water? Where, who did he understand? Who was he an errand boy to? If you can't point anybody, he is not anointed. Hallelujah. Number. So, devote yourselves to the breaking of bread. That is learning how to be hospitable. Anointing comes through being hospitable. Amen. More is transferred at the table of bread than at the house of prayer. I don't know whether you understood that statement. I transfer more anointing, chatting, and eating than when I'm giving a lecture. So when Jacob needed to bless, when Isaac needed to bless, his son Esau, he said, go and bring me venison and let me eat and be satisfied. Then come for your blessing. Hallelujah. And what Isaac had it and went and usurped. Sorry, Jacob had it and went to usurp uh, Esau's blessings. And he made the venison and brought it. So breaking of bread is very, very, very spiritual. Very important. And number four, the last one is what? Devoted to prayer. Amen. Devote yourself to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Hallelujah. Don't be absent when we are fasting and praying. You are only present when we are eating. When we start praying, you disappear. How many know somebody, not you, but you know somebody who knows somebody who is like that? When it's prayer time, you can't find them. You know, you don't come, you've never been on the 5.30 a.m. prayer. You are an alien there. Nobody has seen you before. But when it comes to food, you are the organizing secretary. Some will join, I've been watching these days, some will join 6.37, quarter to 7, 10 to 7. Forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Learn to become active when we are praying. Because as you are praying, you are growing in grace. How many want to grow in grace? And how many are growing in grace? Stand to your feet.